This is the daily lectionary comments for September 12th. We're going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 31. Hezekiah continues his uh, significant and detailed reforms of the priests and the Levites and the temple worship. And Philippians chapter 4, Paul reminds us that the Lord is at hand. What that should mean for a Christian. 2 Chronicles chapter 31. We see, well, first off, the the business of the temple and the priesthood and the Levites was an extraordinarily large and complex thing. It, it it's not just left to individuals for, in the movement of the spirit whether they're going to the, go to the temple or not, or whether they're going to serve as a priest or not. Actually, there was a huge amount of organization that needed to go into this, and a huge amount of resources from the people that had to go into the smooth operation of the temple so that an individual, uh, an individual Israelite who wished to go and worship would go to a functioning temple, offer their sacrifices, but also so that individual Israelites, wherever they are, would know that the sacrifices are being offered according to the law of Moses, the prayers are being offered according to the law of Moses, and that the people of God are doing what they were called to do according to the law of Moses. This is not going to happen by accident. And you get kind of a sense uh, for how much work uh, had, to, had to go into this. Now, actually, what Hezekiah, and there's a whole bunch of uh, discussions here about how, uh, like in verse 2, Hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and the Levites division by division according uh, to his service. Um, it's talk about how uh, uh, the, the tithes were offered and how there were those who were put in charge of how the tithes were to be apportioned among the priests and the Levites who were serving in the temple or those uh, who were not serving in the temple. Uh, there's lots of things uh, uh, discussing uh, uh, in verse 17, for example, the, the enrollment of priests according to their father's houses, that the Levites from 20 years old and upward was according to their offices by their divisions. They were enrolled with all the little children, their wives, their sons, their daughters, the whole assembly, for they were faithful in keeping themselves holy. So in other words, in order to serve when your time came up, you had to be ritually prepared to do that. And, and uh, they also had to be cared for. There was a renewed effort to receive tithes among the people of Jerusalem, but then also all of the people around Jerusalem in, in Judea generally. And in fact, uh, Hezekiah's reforms were having such a, a very positive effect on all of the people. They collected so much stuff that the, the priests and the Levites ended up, you know, essentially making piles of, of food and, and, and material that had been provided to the temple, which was more than the priests could possibly eat. Which was a good thing. I mean, it was something to to celebrate. And Hezekiah directed that storehouses be built uh, in connection with the temple, so that these things wouldn't just be sitting uh, in 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 heaps. So you you can read between the lines and see that there's a lot of organization that goes into this. This the temple worship uh, and the ministries of the priests and the Levites do not happen by accident. This, by the way, mirrors how Chronicles describes how David organized the, uh, the ministry at the, the tabernacle. Of course, the temple wasn't built uh, at his time. And it was also very, very detailed. We hear all about the gatekeepers and all about the Levites and all about the singers and the choirs and all about the priests and their various duties and their various divisions. And of course, David was celebrated for taking this kind of attention 
to pure worship and Hezekiah is being commended by the Lord for this uh, as well. So verse 29 says, thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah and he did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord, his God. I also want to point out something else at the beginning of this uh, reading. It says, um, now when all this was finished, Hezekiah's reforms from the previous uh, reading, all Israel who were present went out into the cities of Judah and broke in pieces the pillars and cut down the Asherim and broke down the high places and the altars throughout all of Judah and Benjamin and in Ephraim and Manasseh until they had destroyed them all. So this is very interesting. We see that before the reforms of Hezekiah, there were high places and, uh, and illegitimate worship places in Judea, not just in Ephraim. And, and uh, the reforms swept into the countryside and broke all those down and then also swept into Ephraim and Manasseh also. So in other words, the reforms in Judea caused reforms uh, to be forced part, uh, upon the people in the north. Now this gives us a little hint that the northern tribes are very weak at this time and they are actually about to be annihilated. So when the Assyrians would sweep through, um, they're not going to meet the strong resistance. And you can see that Judah is somewhat stronger because they're already able to go up there and initiate these responses. But you can see in the hinterlands outside of Jerusalem, there was a lot of inappropriate uh, worship contrary to the law of Moses already going on. And Hezekiah is, is breaking down and destroying those shrines and centralizing everything in, in uh, Jerusalem where it was intended to be centralized, purifying the priesthood and the Levites. Uh, for the benefit of all of God's people. And that's why he is celebrated as somebody who, uh, well, the, the, last, the last verse uh, in our reading, Hezekiah was seeking his God. He did it with all his heart and prospered. Philippians chapter 4. This is the last chapter in Paul's little letter to the uh, Philippians. Uh, tomorrow we're going to take up Colossians, uh, another short letter, another prison letter. Um, Colossians and Philippians share a lot of, uh, of uh, themes together, uh, as well as um, Ephesians, but we'll, we'll get to that tomorrow. So let's look at this last chapter in, in Philippians. First note, uh, just a little personal thing, uh, verse 2, I entreat Euodia um, uh, um, and entreat, uh, entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. These two women evidently were having some kind of an argument. We don't know what it was. But just note that the apostle himself uh, urges them to work out the differences and to do it in a godly way. It's a little, little matter of housekeeping going on there. Now, um, more, more substantive, uh, as Paul goes on to talk about, uh, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. By reasonableness, he doesn't so much mean rational, uh, that would be part of it, but, but more thoughtful, um, not wild. Uh, not mystical, um, uh, you know, not uh, not erratic, uh, but but thoughtful, conscientious, um, and, and reasonable in that sense. He says here, look, the Lord is at hand. Now, what does he mean by that? He doesn't mean that the Lord is about to return. He means the, the Lord is right here, right by your hand. He's right by your side. He is waiting to hear from you, okay? I won't say that the idea that the Lord is going to return soon isn't part of that also, but already the Lord is at the hand of the Christian. 
and he's at their hand. And so Paul says, look, since the Lord is right there where you can call upon him and he will provide this help and assistance, don't be anxious about anything. But instead, what? He says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. This is a wonderful uh, way in which Paul is encouraging all of us to take advantage of the fact that the Lord is with us wherever we go and use that fact. Use that fact in all the best sense of that word. Prayer and supplication. Prayer is the most general term. It refers to communicating to God. Supplication means you're asking God for things. Okay, Supplication is something you're asking for. So a prayer could be anything that you say to God. A supplication is when you're asking him for something. So he says, by prayer and supplication. Talk to God. Ask him for things with thanksgiving. He notes that and, and he adds that. And we should remember that in our own prayers. In our own prayers, we should season our requests with thanksgiving for the things that we already have the prayers that he's already uh, uh, answered. So talk to God, ask him for things, thank him for all that you have and all that he's already done for you. And in that spirit, it says, make your request known to God. Let's put it another way. Let's say this, take advantage of the fact that the Lord is at your right hand. He's right there to help you. And so rather than being anxious, let the Lord know what's going on in your life and trust that he will take care of you and do this by talking to him, by asking him for things, and by being thankful for all that he has already done for you uh, in ancient history and what Christ has done, as well as the good thing that he did for you yesterday that maybe you would have forgotten if you didn't bring it to mind. Paul also uh, gives a good uh, uh, good il illustration of, uh, of the idea that garbage in, garbage out, uh, this is where he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, etc. think on these things. Um, this is an evil world in which we live, full of perversions. And Paul is saying, while we wait for the Lord and walk with him, let's focus on those things which are good. And uh, because if you focus only on the negative and only on the perverse and only on the rotten, uh, then your heart will be filled with these things. Instead, we Christians should be focusing on what is good. Another aspect here is Paul finishes the letter by essentially thanking the Philippians for the gift that they had sent. They had sent uh, money or food or, or other material goods. He doesn't list them, but he thanks them for it. And he says, look, it's not that I needed these things. The Lord is taking care of me. The Lord is going to go on taking care of me, and I am content. I've learned the secret of contentment. Whether I have plenty or whether I am experiencing want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I am content, and so it, the Lord will take care of me. But I thank him for your sake, and I'm happy for you that he worked through you to help me. So this, this will be down to your to your benefit, and I'm happy for that, that you have provided these things for me to help me at my time of imprisonment. Uh, and the Lord will continue to take care of you just as he is taking care of me, verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours in accordance to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So tomorrow, Colossians.